Hi everyone, welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I'm Cullen, and I'm joined, as always, by Clark Coffee. Woohoo! How's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty well, man. <laughs> it seems Actually, it's to be going, there. Are, it's going great, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm good too. That seems to be like the like go to. I mean, we might as well just record that intro because I say it the same every single time we do. It. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Or you could mix it up, man. I mean, you could just come out of left field next time, you know? Yeah, and, yeah next time I do it, and just I really know. mix it up. I mean, you know, hey, it's it's. I I mean, it's nice. We like, you know, we want to want this to be like a a cozy, welcoming place for people to come in. You know, it kind of starts and ends the same way. You've got that familiarity. You know, it's like Cheers. You know, you want to go where everybody exactly. knows your name. <laughs> but uh, but hey, I mean, we can also mix it up, you know. I mean, who knows what we could open up I'll next just, it'll episode with? It'll be a huge with. shocker. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be a huge shocker. Maybe we can like by the time we get to the end of this episode, we will have like organically come to some insane cliffhanging ending, and then so next episode it will be like the you know like those old fashioned like to be continued TV shows. Yeah, back yeah. In the next, day. next time on, <laughs> and it's like you know. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be what great. We do happen? a narrative. We we pull the Herzog. We put the narrative in the real life. Yeah, 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 um, totally. But yeah, so I mean, speaking of Herzog, of course, this is the Warner Herzog podcast. But today we are talking about um, Family Romance LLC, which was his yeah newest, not newest. Um, well, twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Uh, and, and you were going to say newest narrative, I think, right? Is yeah, this his... I, I think it is. I think it is his newest narrative, right? I, you know, that's I'm a good mistaken. question. I'm not entirely positive because, you know, uh, uh, I feel bad now. I'm like, geez, you put me I on mean, the spot. I mean, I would Should assume I so. Have... I can't imagine that he'd have a new one this yeah, year. Yeah, but... I don't I don't think so. You know, he did he did Nomad, which, of course, we covered last episode, and he did that in 2019 as well. I don't know, yeah. you know, the exact and Fireball breakdown. was 2020, but that was a dog. Fireball is 2020, and uh, there's a short yeah, where he so was he, just... that is his newest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm checking he's his got, IMDb now. He's got a couple uh, other films that are in development. And I don't know a ton about them. Fordlandia. Yeah, which is uh, Henry Ford building a factory in the Yeah, Amazon. which which sounds like extremely interesting, by the way. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for that flick to come out. And yeah. we'll, we'll do an episode on it. But yeah, so I think it's safe to say. We can say Family Romance LLC, his latest narrative film. Um, although I know it, it confused a lot of people, I think. And we're going to talk about this with its style and with the, yeah. the, the technical aspects of the film. Um and some of the ways that it's written, some of the ways that it's performed, it definitely gives off, um, I, you know, and we talked about this. I don't even want to say a documentary vibe because I don't mm -hmm. even know that it's documentary. It, it kind of gives off a reality TV vibe, frankly. Yeah, which, interestingly, because, you know, and again, we, this is something we kind of in our preliminary chat, we just kind of brushed by. But um, it's interesting because Herzog has said that he's a really big fan of reality TV and like keeping up with the Kardashians and all that stuff. That's um, so, which is hilarious where he but, said that okay it is hysterical and i but, totally um, buy it and i totally buy it because i know he's you know uh he's i've heard him say kind of similar things that he's inspired yeah, by yeah. by real by the real on camera do you remember where he said that i, I just, can't remember it, what what interview it was but he okay it was might have been like for like a netflix documentary he was doing yeah, kind of press doing the press rounds right but right. um but no, it's and what's you know I think that that was one of the things that me and you agreed on, which was that it was like a lot of people are saying, oh, it sort of feels documentary, it feels document, but it doesn't really. No, it feels it feels like feels reality like television reality. because it, it right. feels staged and it feels which you know, reality written. TV is, of course. But right? exactly, it, it but so it that's... but it feels and it I wouldn't say mockumentary either, like I, no, because that's no, no, such no. a completely different thing. Um, totally. So it, yeah, definitely, like genuine, reality right. TV is like the the closest I can imagine to this being, which is like, you know the cameras aren't really supposed to be noticed so it's kind of 
divorced from that. Yeah. But there's moments where it just, yeah, it, it again. It, well, so let's jump it, into it. Yeah, let's jump into it. So let's start off. We can talk about, so let's talk about some of the, uh, some of the topics on the technical side here. So, because mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really important and it's important in a handful of different ways, right? Um, you know, how a film looks, how a film sounds, obviously uh, has a huge impact on, you know, uh, on the content of the film. These things go hand yeah. in hand. So let's talk about it a bit. So we both agree that this this kind of has a very much like a reality TV vibe. And, you know, a huge part of that is how it was shot. And so, you know, uh, Colin, you took a look and you found a BTS, uh, some BTS photography of Herzog uh, filming. And he did operate on this film. Yeah. I had to do uh, some detective work. <laughs> yeah, I did a little detective work, which is awesome. It's see, we're prepared here, man. Yeah. Um, and I was I wasn't surprised because I had seen the film, so I I knew what the footage looked like. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's using a kind of I guess what I would call a prosumer camera. Yeah. He, so it's he, like a it's a few thousand dollar like yeah, it's camcorder a 3K almost. Yeah, three K USD. Um, it, but it's, it's an Canon. XF. Yeah. The yes. Canon XF four hundred five is right. the, the model, which is a four K fixed lens. Yeah. Exactly. You know, um, 4K fixed lens. It's and it's very much a camcorder. It's not a cinema camera by any stretch. And Herzog, uh, you know, at least I saw the film. I rented it on Amazon Prime. Uh, but I think these Q and A's or the intros are available because you were able to find the Q and A. I rented it. I so I got a movie free subscription, like free trial. Okay. And watched it on movie. So you were able to watch it on movie. Who? Yeah. Who distributed this film? So yeah. Herzog talks a little bit about you know his choice here, uh, and I think there are a couple practical reasons uh, that he directly mentions. And Cullen, you and I are going to maybe make some guesses, some educated mm. guesses as to why else, some other reasons he picked this camera, but. But he, you know, he he wanted something first and foremost that he could operate by himself, uh, that had uh, ba- XLR inputs, which are basically a, a pro type of audio input, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- where you can you you know whether it's your your boom your uh, or your um, your labs, you can plug directly into camera, um, and uh, and I think too he stole a lot of shots. We know that he stole maybe all of the location shots yeah i don't think there was any permit getting any yeah at the train station and things like that yeah it all seemed very yeah you know gorilla he needed something small that wouldn't because it's he he discusses specifically how difficult it is to shoot in tokyo that getting permits is very difficult and can be very expensive so his exterior is where he's shooting at the park he shoot there's a there's a scene that takes place in a train station which i i found really intriguing we're going to get to all these scenes uh in a minute here but uh, he had to have something small that didn't look like uh, like a film crew, where he could probably kind of pass off as a tourist. And yeah. boy, I, likely I definitely, that, um, yeah, likely that the actors were just wearing lab wireless labs. Because that's my guess, the, right? In the Absolutely. image again, you can see what looked like what looked like audio transmitters in the XLR port. So yeah, you know, very and and, and we also mentioned the other day too that looks like um no shots are artificially lit like there was no manipulation of light i don't think so at all right. even in the interior scenes like it doesn't even look like they put it up like, flags like or anything yeah. like that yeah looks yeah, like it was it... very much a final location we've got our camcorder and we're going for it yeah um which can i mean to be fair i mean i can understand why some people were put off by that um there was there were things in this movie that i really liked um but then there were things that didn't quite work you know super yeah. well for me yeah, let's um, go into some of the detail because I mean the yeah. film does, you know, so you know, shooting it with the prosumer camera with the fixed lens, you know, we've got 
you know, really, really, really wide depth of uh, focus. I mean, pretty much, you know, so it's got a very video look. Yeah. Um, we see, you know, it's all handheld. Um, some of the, you know, it's, and it's all uh, pretty long takes, yeah, uh, yeah. reframing on the go, kind of run and gun. Uh, all these things add up. Uh, you know, there's there's some challenges here with exposure in a lot of scenes. Looks uh, like it was mostly shot auto exposure as well. Um, put, and like I, I, it was, it's possible. You know, of course, I can't I, I can't guarantee that. Can't but, verify that. But for sure. there's moments where it looks like the camera's sort of searching for. I exposure, agree. When so, we move, yeah. when we move focus from, you know, when we're in an interior and we move to kind of focus on a, a more lightly lit, like say window, for example, I think mm -hmm. you do kind of see the camera. Uh, closing down a little bit but um yeah so it's possible it's totally possible so i mean let's kind of the impact that that has on the storytelling is what i think is important i mean yeah. we yeah. can kind of speculate as to you know what kind of budget constraints might have existed uh for herzog you know even though he's herzog he's yeah i mean I, I know that he he said in an interview that that his reason that he did the mandalorian um which of course isn't really like him to do a big franchise like that yeah, um, but he well, once in a while, uh, like Jack Reacher. Yeah, once he did Jack Reacher. Yeah. yeah, but he says that he did that to fund this movie. Like that was the right his reasoning for doing the Mandalorian was so. So there you go. It's, there, there's there's kind of proof then, I guess, so to speak. And he's spoken to this about other films. You know, even for him, it's difficult for him to get funding. So obviously, this is a a, a much lower budget way to shoot a film. He's uh, you have a, a very small crew, and we know he likes to operate um, mm -hmm. from time to time. And so that was appealing to him. Uh, we also know, I mean, you know, Herzog is big on urgency, right? We know that yeah. he, that's a huge part of his creative process is to shoot with urgency, to write with urgency, shoot with urgency, and clearly shooting uh, in, in such a, a small way, if you, if you allow that kind of, you know, way to describe it, shooting this small allows you to obviously be as quick as you could possibly be when yeah. it comes to making yeah. a film. And um, you brought this up too, which is this idea of like I don't think Herzog wanted to wait to get funding for this movie. No, like he I wanted that to his, just, his yeah. whole point was like I'm just gonna you know get my um, my gear and and go out and shoot it and not yeah. wait for somebody to provide me with the budget for you know a better camera or whatever. Right. Um, and again, so um, perhaps to get into kind of the nitty gritty of it, um, yeah. that was one of the things. So I I when I was watching this, there was two movies that came up in my mind mm -hmm. that I kind of related this to. One of them was Tangerine, which was um, shot entirely on iPhone. Right. Um, and I think in it does a really good yeah. job of that. Uh, yeah, And I agree. then the other one was um, Caché, which is a Michael Hanukkah movie from 2006, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's 2006. Yeah, 2000, or 2005. Um, okay. so Hanukkah and so that movie is also it's a movie that is shot on a like professional digital camera but kind of back in that era where digital pretty early on video yeah. look still and right. is intentionally like that yeah um, and the reason that I bring those two movies up is because so the subject matter of Tangerine really fits the iPhone like it's embraced within the subject matter it kind of flows in and out of this this very lo-fi you know, it, it makes sense to have shot an iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, Cache as well is about a man who is like, he keeps receiving videotapes of his house mm -hmm. of just these like hour long videotapes of just his house from outside this still footage. And so the movie is shot on the same format that he receives those videotapes in. And the movie is also shot in a way that, you know, every scene is very still and observational camera wise. So it, you never really know in the movie, like, is this a videotape or is this 
uh, you know, is this just a scene? Right. And it's a really smart thing to do because you kind of, you, the entire movie you're spent watching going like, is this being filmed or is this, you know, just the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reason I wanted to mention that was because this is, this kind of is the middle ground for me there. And there was things, again, as I said, that worked in, in some things that didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, and so... Well, One let's of the talk things about those. Were, so I mean, they, this what... this reality TV thing really worked for me. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um. So it's appropriate. And that's scene... certainly appropriate to the subject matter. In, yeah. In, in a handful of ways, for sure. I mean. And yeah. So so when I when I complain about you know I don't even want to say complain, but when I'm when I'm like criticizing anything about critiquing, it's, right. it's technicalities or anything, I'm not critiquing that. Saying like every movie has to be shot on an expensive camera, has to look beautiful, has to because I don't right. believe that. I think that it fits with this subject matter actually quite well to have shot it on. The XF four hundred five. Right. Um, my my the point that it kind of lost me, uh, or or that I kind of felt myself going was that you know not necessarily taken out of the movie, but but kind of um, thinking about it and and critiquing it in my mind was so. There's the moment in the hotel. They go to a robotic hotel at one point, and it and it's basically our main character is um, talking to this owner of this robotic hotel about possibly using robots in his own industry, which is this you know, this rental. Well, rental and that's where I, I almost wonder, do you think, uh, do you want to, let's kind of, um, uh, before we jump in to yeah, sure. Let's, let's explain. Let's, yeah. The, let's kind of explain yeah. just a little bit, just in case. Now, obviously for those listening, uh, it, this is going to make a lot more sense if you've seen the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but we'll go ahead and kind of give a little bit of an overview just about, you know, kind of the major points here of the film. So, so like we've been describing, this film was shot pretty lo-fi, uh, and yeah. pretty simply. It's a pretty small, intimate story. It takes place in Japan. And and basically, and this is this we're gonna kind of get into some of these, it's kind of like meta levels of this. Um, the the lead in the film uh is actually in real life owns a business called Family Romance, where uh in Japan uh they basically rent out friends and family members, mm-hmm. right? If you if your father's not available. Uh, and, and you, you're, let's say you're a bride and you're getting, you know, you've got your dress fitting or something and you want your father to go, but maybe he's passed on or he's not available or whatever. You can rent an, up an actor yeah. to and play it's a your very father. real, very popular industry there. And it's, and it's um, growing in popularity. It's yeah. spreading to other cultures and countries. And so Herzog was really intrigued by this. Actually, one of his former, um, a rogue film school students came to him and then this person is actually listed as a, um, a producer on the film, uh, his name is Rock Morin, um, but um, but basically Herzog was was really intrigued by this idea and kind of the you know how much of our relationships are 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 genuine versus performance and you know I mean it's all of these interesting questions that kind of bubble up from that mm-hmm. um, how much of our you know are our relationships genuine and real versus kind of you know, imagined and it's just very, I, I think the content is extremely intriguing and interesting. And, and I, yeah. I definitely, we're going to get into that more, but, but in a nutshell, it's, we follow this, the, the owner of this company as he interacts with a handful of his clients. And there's kind of a narrative thread that goes through where he has been hired by this young woman's mother to be mm-hmm. her stand in father. And yeah. we see kind of this narrative thread where, uh, by the end of the film, the daughter and the mother have have fallen for him and actually want him to to actually be in their life for real. Yeah. And he declines and he says and it and I think this is 
I really want to talk about this um, later when we kind of get more into themes and content, but he says, you know, here at Family Romance, we aren't allowed to love or be loved. And I think that's mm-hmm. really intriguing concept. Um, and then we follow uh, our lead as he f- actually goes to his own home, which we've not seen at all during the entire film. And he's hesitant to go in and actually be with and interact with his own family. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the context of just, you know, where we're going to start talking about some things. I just thought that might be beneficial. I didn't mean to yeah, interrupt no, you. No, totally. Colin, and and thought, so, 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 the, so, so what's what important the scenes... to note too, is that it's, it's, um, the, that he was going through, a, Herzog was going through a casting process yeah. and decided instead to, um, to just cast the real guy. So this, this real right. owner of this business was just helping yeah. him cast. And then Herzog was like, hang on, why don't I just use you? So then yeah. that again comes into this whole reality television thing. And if I'm like, not mistaken, weren't some of the other uh, actors in this film, they were from his agency, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, so anyway, so there's this moment where he's in this, this robot hotel, which is in Japan, um, of course in Tokyo. Right. Uh, and he's talking to the owner basically saying like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of interested in looking at the application of robots, uh, like realistic looking robots for my business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's very, you know, it's shot like a dot, like it, it, it feels like that's one of the ones where it feels very, you know, and I, I only say this documentary in terms of, it feels of, like reality it feels, TV. It feels like Herzog's, like it feels like it could be in one of Herzog's nonfiction films oh, okay which um, now which part you're talking about the robot fish and this no 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 of... when he's when he's talking to the the guy okay uh when he's talking to the owner it's like it's it's shot like like a you know because i and the reason i'm hesitant to say documentaries because well you let's know, describe Herzog's... it i mean let's talk about why let's let's kind of paint a picture for people yeah. listening there what like let's get specific so it's set the scene here so we've got our our lead character has come into this very small lobby like you said, robot hotel. And what makes it a robot hotel is that the, what would you call it, desk clerk, concierge, I guess? Yeah, I think and, everything and, is robotic. Like uh, room there's, service is there's robotic. clearly yeah. fake. I mean, it's like very clearly a rubberized, you know, animatronic kind of robot dude uh, just constantly saying like, please sign in, please sign in, like over and over, something similar to that, not verbatim, but close. And there's this large aquarium over to the side that has these very brightly painted, I guess, may, are they supposed to be koi fish? Maybe, uh, but they're robotic. They're they're plastic and metal and they're, they're machinery. Um, so just to kind of give, paint a, paint a picture of, of what you're talking about. So so let's get into that then. So you were saying... Well, I mean, the, then the, yeah, so again, the reason that I, I, like when I say, you know, I, as we said at the beginning, it, it's much more reality television than it is feeling like a documentary mm-hmm. um, but this particular scene feels like herzog documentary in that okay. it feels like you could take this scene where he's talking to the owner what about kind it? of um just the 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 floating camera where he's inter like i could replace um mahiro who is the main character who's who's talking to this man with herzog like i could have you could pull out herzog or you could put out mahiro and put herzog in that situation and if this was were a real you, documentary that Herzog was making about mean, this robot you mean hotel, Ishii. Ishii is the the man. Oh, who, sorry, yeah, Mahiro is the the daughter. Mahiro is the daughter. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, sorry, Ishii. Um, if you were to put uh, Herzog and Ishii's shoes there, 
it would be, and this was a documentary about this robot hotel or something like that. And this was, you know, nonfiction Herzog movie. It would yeah. be shot the same way. It would be asking the same questions. It would be, you know, like it was that yeah. kind of thing where I was like, this feels like you could put this scene in, you know, for, you know, to relate to our last episode, you could put the scene in, in Nomad and it would be shot the same way. Yeah, um, agree. But then there's this moment. So that that happens. And then uh, Ishii goes over to this fish tank and it's this robotic, there are all these robot fish. And he's standing there for a good, you know, it must be two or three minutes of this shot where it's just him looking at these robotic fish and you've got this very Herzog. It's the same uh, composer of music that did Nomad and has done a ton of other Herzog works. And you've got this music going as he stares at this these fish. And so that was For a where, very long time. Let's, yeah. And what so the makes movie, the shot so significant is that yeah, he yeah. holds on this. It's on, like three on minutes. Ishii looking at these these robotic fish in this tank for literally like three minutes yeah and so so that was the point where i sort of thought you know to me at least you need to and and as we've discussed in our previous episodes where it's like herzog specifically says you know there's no aesthetic to me i don't i don't go or into the, my movies the, no, going no conscientious he's yeah not yeah so he's like i'm not going into my movie thinking pushy. that i'm going to make the decision to yeah, make use happens. my aesthetic yeah um, it just happens and this was this was kind of one of those things where, um, and again, there were a lot of things that I liked about the movie, but one of the things that I thought would have perhaps made it feel more cohesive was really limiting the Herzogisms. These moments where you have this like Gregorian music and these mm -hmm. long takes of whether it's him looking at the the fish or it's mm -hmm. these like drone shots of Tokyo and you've got this Gregorian strings and chant music kind of thing that is very, right. very Herzog. I thought, you know, that to me, pulls me out of this reality TV feeling, mm. pulls me out of this lo-fi, um, you know, this lo-fi kind of engaging uh, style and and seems like it's kind of sitting on the fence of like, you know, do I want to be a more traditional Herzog movie, which, of course, most of his other movies do have budgets to shoot either on film or or larger cinema cameras and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, I, and so it was one of those things where I was thinking there's these moments where... Yeah, like there's a few moments like that in the movie where I just thought, you know, if they had perhaps um, maybe disciplined, like perhaps used a, a little bit more of a stylistic discipline and gone, uh, I'm going to shoot it like this kind of. And that's why I related it to Caché and Tangerine, where it's like this stylistic discipline of those movies is very, very clear and very important mm -hmm. um, because the because the subject matter is so in intertwined with the medium. And for the most part, this movie is as well. Um, most of the subject matter in this movie is very much intertwined with this lo-fi uh, camcorder, you know, look. And it was just these moments, these brief moments of like very Herzog-y kind of, hmm. um, again, this fish bit where it's like you hear the chants or these drone shots or this other moment where they go to the sea and there's this phone, which is actually, we found this out, it's a real thing where there's this telephone on the edge there, of the ocean. This particular um, one is manufactured, this, it's, it's, not, yes, yeah, the, yeah, the, there, but it's, it's a real, there's it's a real, it's a real thing, right, yeah. where I think it's because, like, after the, the tsunami, tsunami, I think, right, yeah, there's someone established, like, a phone booth, basically, to kind of, symbolically, people could try to call out to those lost family and friends, right, who had been taken by the tsunami, is that correct, do I have that right? Yes. Yeah. And so, and it's right. like this. It's like you're calling your your you right. know your passed away relatives to well, the, in gonna, the ocean. I, and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna play a little. You know, I'm gonna play a little little devil's advocate here because I, I do want to walk through the film and I kind of you know the most the most interesting aspect of this film for me is it is what it's saying or its yes, themes, yeah. its content. I know for you too. I, I I know for you too. And we kind of start off talking about some of these technical things to give it some 
kind of context because obviously it's important too. But um, you know, just knowing Herzog uh, and having seen so many of it, not knowing him personally, I'm not trying to say it, but knowing his work, um, you know, it, it's certainly you know one of the tactics he uses in his filmmaking is to hold for very long periods of time on things that I think he sees as deranged that he's, and we've talked about yes, this in the yeah. last episode. We went like way in depth with this. And I think when, you know, and I know it works for me uh, when, you know, and let's use the scene that you had brought up with this fish. And, you know, he's literally holding for like three minutes on this fish. When I, when I first see it, let's say like if we would have only had this take for five seconds, right? He looks at the fish. I wouldn't really think much about the fish. I wouldn't really notice much about the fish and it wouldn't have any kind of real gravitas or meaning to me. But when he holds on this fish for three minutes and I'm forced to look at it, mm -hmm. it starts to distort and become gruesome. And I start to see that the paint is all peeled off the sides because it just keeps going back and forth in this tank. It's bumping into and it's walls. Bumping yeah. into the walls and it's rubbing all this, like the, the beautiful kind of, you know, <laughs> the facade is coming off from around it. And of course, putting this in the context of, uh, you know, the, this, the themes that we're exploring here, which is about, you know, w about our, in our, you know, as we are seemingly more connected by technology, we are mm -hmm. in fact sinking further and further and further into an existential isolate isolation. Yeah. And I, we know that Herzog has a fascination shooting animals in his films, right? You've got the chicken and the vending machine. You've got the, the lizards. You've got, I mean, in so many of Herzog's films, we see the importance that animals play in his films and his symbology. And there's two scenes in this film that are extremely reminiscent of his previous films. But instead of real animals, they're animatronic or robotic yeah. animals. Yeah, yeah. And and they're they're similarly trapped, like many of his animals are when they're filmed, like the chicken and the vending machine. Um, and so I think I so for me, it worked. Well, let me let me clarify quickly too to just say I, it wasn't the length of the shot or the subject matter of the shot that that kind of took me out. Um, it was just the stylistic choice. Um, it was like I would not have been think like I. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, because I'm thinking about it, um, I'm taken out of it, and because I'm thinking, okay, why are we suddenly having okay, so this Gregorian sounding? I'm gonna chant? put you on the spot. I'll put you yeah. on the spot then for fun, for fun of yeah. Sure. Like yeah. what exactly? Let me try to understand. Like what specifically with his technique, uh, kind of made you removed you from the immersion of the story there in that um, case. well again just it, it was the the choice of the music there that very okay so the, you felt music the music and was the, maybe incongruent to had the there been i think or? more more moments both with the camera work that was in a similar way of like looking at these these things up close and it okay. had it just it felt like okay. it kind yeah. of came out of left field if that and that's makes valid sense. yeah that's um, of course that's valid i'm just curious kind yeah of, no no you know? i and yeah. i it's it's to me it's one of those things that's like you know again i'm like either go all the way with that and have that hmm. kind of thing infused through the whole movie yeah. or because because when you just put it in there one or two times it jumps out and it sticks out right. and so again that's why i mentioned that phone bit 
um, which kind of, again, I, you know, I related this to like Bergman in our call yesterday, where it feels like a Bergman moment. Mm-hmm. Um, if these like people on the edge of the ocean with a phone. Right. And, and I, well, I, I said, you know, it, it's to me like that moment also stuck out to me because I was like, is that, you know, we're going from this reality television kind of feel to suddenly this very art house, like they're on the edge of the ocean mm. with a phone calling out. Okay. And, and of course, I'm I didn't know. To see. Yeah, I'm and I, I didn't see, know I that it was what you're saying now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're so 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 let me I'll I'll kind of like say it a different way and let's see if I'm I'm tracking with you now. Sure. So yeah. you're kind of like okay, Herzog has selected um by a combination of choice and necessity to shoot this film in a way that's very reminiscent of reality TV style shooting. And there are these certain moments uh, the robotic fish, the telephone on the beach that to you felt like a radical shift in tone or style or both and um, and kind of felt like they're shoving in like an art house film and these scenes into kind of this what we've you know kind of uh, this reality TV style that we've had for all the rest of the film around it is that kind of what yeah and it, okay. and it would again it wouldn't be to me it wouldn't be um nearly as like it's not that I have an issue with that style anyway anyway because I mean I wouldn't like Herzog so much if I did. Um, it's more that I, I felt that it needed to be more present in uh, in the rest of the movie. Um, mm. And it would be like the equivalent of, of, you know, someone shooting an entire movie in that style and then suddenly shooting, you know, just two of the, the whatever, 30 odd scenes in a movie, two of them are shot on sticks with better lenses and better cam. Like that would be the equivalent to me of just like suddenly why are we, okay. why are we shifting so much? Um, and I can, I mean, I can... When I say why, I'm asking that rhetorically. Like, I understand why in the context of the movie it's done. Yeah. I just don't necessarily agree with the choice. Um, I sound very, I don't mean to sound so pompous there. I, I don't, I just, <laughs> okay. I don't necessarily it's, agree. Look, it's always. It didn't work for me, I guess. It's is the just best opinions. Way to describe it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, we're totally just opinions. And I don't think anybody out there is going to think, you know, it's, it's not that we're saying, uh, the, well, you know, Herzog, get out of here. We're going to jump in your spot and do it. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, mean, I want to uh, say a challenge. Challenge to Herzog. Come on this podcast and I'll tell you how I could have directed <laughs> this movie better. <laughs> That's absolutely not. Well, we certainly would be honored deeply yeah. if Herzog were <laughs> yes. ever on this podcast. And we certainly would never uh, be disrespectful to him in any way. But we're also, you know, we have our own opinions. And I'd be curious to ask him about it. Like, just yeah, honestly, have to have a conversation. Op- right. We have our own opinions um, and we're not going to just uh, just love everything single thing any filmmaker makes so your your views are totally valid i just want to and I, to I also them. want to point out there was a lot of things in this movie that i really did like i thought yeah, that let's it talk was about me his, too. his work on like again this he's of course we've talked about this so many times of his obsession with like the human condition and all that so i think it I really comes out here yeah i um, love that both, about this one of the reasons is because it is such a you know i i don't know if you've been to japan i i've been to tokyo and kyoto i have not i have um, not the closest it's, it's, i've been is taiwan which is it's okay yeah. which has a a, a large Japanese influence because the island of Taiwan was ruled by Japan for, for a, yeah, a for long a period time. of time. Yeah. And so there's a significant Japanese influence, but it's very, very different than, you know, actual Japan. So no, I haven't, but I would love to go because I am intrigued by many, many aspects of Japanese culture. So mm-hmm. I hope to be able to go sometime in the not too distant future. Uh, no, and ha- so it's, it's a beautiful, co- like, I, I like the country, but again, it is so interesting like it's yeah. it's incredibly interesting how different yeah um just just priorities in terms of like you know we take our priorities of like so, you know mental health and social health and it's like we've got to go out and see our friends all this stuff 
there's just different standards of priorities in terms of like mental health there. I don't mean like mental health support and funding for that. I mean, literally just like what makes people happy, what makes people feel fulfilled is an entirely different thing there than, and how, and and so tell me, so what made you think of that with this film then? Well, just for example, I mean, the idea of knowing that somebody is being paid to give you something or to like do something for you or to act a certain way as a relationship, come to your wedding as your father when your father's, Mm -hmm. you know, alcoholic or drunk or something, or be your father when he's been gone for 10 years, that there's an acceptance there. Um, and of course I'm not trying to generalize for the entire population. Oh, I'm, I'm going to, this is what I think is so interesting because I actually think we all do this all the time. Oh, but I, I just mean in different ways that it's, it's the, the, like here, if this were a business here, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a business here in 50 years because I think that things are going that way. I think it is a business here is what I'm saying. It just doesn't look exactly like this. Well, exactly. But but that's what I I mean is that it's, 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 it's more, here, it's things are a lot more about optics in a different way. Here, um, so things I, I are understand. About, I understand. People say yeah. face different ways. So let's I so let's kind of go. I think it it would be kind of helpful. We can kind of go through some of these scenes because I think you know there's there's these vignettes of scenes that kind of happen through the film that are would be good to use to discuss the some of the themes and the content, some of the stuff you're you're talking about right now is you know differences culturally and mm-hmm. you know, you know um, so. You know, right off the bat, we we jump into the film, and we've got Ishi, who again is the is our lead. He owns the family romance company, and he does mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. And just real quickly before I jump into the scene, it's interesting to note too. There's there, there's kind of a few meta levels of this that's really interesting. So the New Yorker uh, a few years ago did a, a story about his company, and uh, in real life. And um, before Herzog made this film, and I think they they wanted the, the journalist wanted to speak to some of the clients of mm-hmm. his business, and so he gave the information of this this supposed client for the journalist to go see, and it turned out that that journalist was speaking to another actor in the stable yeah. of actors of yeah. the company, and so you've got this really and and apparently too. So once the journalist found out about that misrepresentation. Then the journalist started looking very closely into, you know, all of the statements that um, had been given. And apparently, and I, and I, you know, I don't know all the exact details, but apparently there are some really interesting questions about misrepresentation and falsification of details and all this kind of stuff in real life uh, of, of this person, this Ishii person and his business. And so I find that very fascinating because mm-hmm. this whole film is talking about what is truth and what is fact and what is fiction and you know uh, Ishii's explanation for why he gave the journalist the uh, the actor's address to go interview was because he he and this is I mean this is I'm paraphrasing and who you know we can only speculate as to what he you know if he was just trying to get off the hook or if he really meant it but he said you know I felt like if you were to talk to an actual real client that client would be kind of embarrassed and and would be afraid for their privacy and wouldn't have actually given you the full truth. They would have given you some facts, but they wouldn't have given you the full truth. But if I sent you to an actor, it wouldn't have been factually true, but it would have actually been the full truth. And you know what? That is exactly what I was saying is that we have in the West, or at least in, you know, North America and and like Western Europe, uh, France, UK, whatever, an obsession with truth. 
an obsession with factual truth. With facts, with facts. And so that was where I was I, I was trying to say that there, the difference between like a system like I or a, a service like that there is There's if, a I'm the kid, if I'm the kid, if I'm the kid and my dad facts. hires someone as my mom, yeah. I might know that that's not really my mom, but that doesn't matter because I can just, I can just buy into the fact that it's my mom. Yeah. I don't care well, that it's not factually true. Yeah. Whereas here, so on a, a great, you know, maybe perhaps a really good parallel is there's the moment where the woman hires, there's this lady that wants to be famous on social media and stuff. So she hires these paparazzi mm -hmm. to go down the street and take pictures with her. And she's like, you know, this is going to blow me up. I'm going to be so famous because these paparazzi are taking pictures. It'll make everyone think I'm famous. She knows that it's not true. In the here, so I worked at, at the Toronto International Film Festival as a camera operator in 2019. And there was so much of stuff like that, of people that like really had no following on social media, but called themselves influencers, had people like had little groupies around them, but really just like those groupies were probably just their friends. But there was this, this underlying thing of like convincing themselves that they actually were famous. Sure. So it wasn't, it's, that's the difference there is that in this context and culturally in Japan, it's so much more prevalent that that girl knows that she's not famous. She knows that she's looking out for the, the optics of it because that's what, is going to get her to the point of just that's that's the happiness to her is the result whereas well, here there's an I, obsession with like we have a societal obsession with things having to be factually and absolutely true so there's the you know someone doing that here would be convinced that they actually were famous would be would would have to lie to themselves and convince themselves that they actually were because they well, couldn't bear well i think these people are lying doing, to themselves you know, too but oh it's just in a different way just in a different way yeah let's go let's, i i let's because there's some really cool scenes here that i think present like the one that you that you just mentioned uh so let's go through some of them because i think that uh that we're, we can we can kind of break down this interesting argument mm -hmm. in yeah. some different ways so so like i was saying so ishii this first scene and I love how Herzog does this, uh, especially if you come into this film without a ton of, you know, of information previously. Basically, we see this uh, this man and this young girl who are, I think she's about 12 in the film. Um, we see that um, that they're talking in a park, right? And we think, like... Um, they're really father daughter. We think that like there's this, and they have they maybe it's like a reunion, right? They haven't seen each other in a long time. We don't know why, but we don't learn that he's rented that you know until the next scene when after this whole long conversation, this like it's kind of sweet, kind of touching, like it's a a daughter kind of warming up to a a father that she hasn't seen or known mm -hmm. in a long time. And then we then we go move to the next scene where Ishii is meeting with that daughter's mother, and now we find out, and she's paying him for what the 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 interaction that just occurred. I I thought that was great. I thought that was brilliant. Um, and it's it you know, and there's so many just interesting levels to that you know, and like you said, it's like we we have this young girl who's kind of. It's interesting. I mean, I, I think it speaks so much to how we deceive ourselves all the time and that our mm -hmm. life is basically full of our own deceptions. And it kind of has to be right. We deceive ourselves about our own mortality, because if we didn't, most of us, if not all of us, would kind of lose our minds. We deceive ourselves about how good of a person we are. We deceive ourselves about, I mean, it's just layer after layer after well, layer of deception. It's, it's ambiguous in the movie, too. Do you think that... Um... 
the daughter uh, Mashiro knows that he's. Uh, we don't know. That's a good. Uh, yeah, point. exactly. Like what, we don't I, know. Yeah, and that it's of course left ambiguous, but it's it's, it's one of those things where because there's this point where they're kind of lying to each other, where she fakes this whole thing about her being on the beach in Bali. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's a lie to Ishi, and then he he sort of says like you know I'm lying to her and she's lying to me. Yeah, um, it's so intriguing. So, but and... we never find out whether or not she. Because because at the beginning it's implied that his her mother's keeping it from her because he she her the mother says you know her father had a twitch of the eye, um so can you kind of fake this and he says no we we don't fake things like that because then it's gonna be really obvious yeah. that I'm faking it so right. clearly there's some some kind of bit at the beginning where they're trying to fool her but by the end you don't really know does Mashiro or Mahiro know um, that Ishi's actually just hired or does you know and we they don't, don't know. answer it but uh, but but for sure as we're going to see i mean their relationship grows into something that that has to be dealt with right mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. as we get through the film but uh so i thought that was i thought that was a really interesting way to introduce it um uh, that was kind of a playful fun way to do it i think we also get to see some of the like cultural differences of interactions um this like very formal kind of way of interacting which is just interesting to see like when ishi meets with miki this is just, it's its quite nice. Um, and then we kind of move from that to some of these like side clients, right? So this kind of the yeah. Ishii, um, Mahiro is kind of the narrative thread. But then we've got some other clients that we see. And some of these are really interesting. And I, I think we've mentioned this a little earlier. This next client is basically um, a, woman's get, a young woman's getting married. And her father uh, happens to be an alcoholic. But it's interesting uh, the mother in the family hires one of the actors and tells them that that, that he's got epilepsy and yeah. that's why yeah. he can't be there. And then it's the daughter that reveals to the actor, no, actually, you know, this is really embarrassing, but he's actually an alcoholic. And mm-hmm. again, it's just, I think that we're, we're illustrating yet again, and I, people do this all the time, these deceptions, these self-deceptions, you know, People do this all the time. Parents are in denial about the behavior of their children. Spouses are in denial about the behavior of their spouse. It's, I mean, it's just, this is extremely uh, common. And even our closest, I mean, often it is the closest relationships that we supposedly have with people that are kind of built on this foundation or propped up with all of this deception. And it, it really is an interesting thing to kind of try to dissect. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is a really cool way to illustrate that with this with this unique company in this film. Um, but I just thought that was fascinating. And I mean, when I, 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 and I don't know if it made you kind of wonder, it definitely made me wonder. I was like, like, what would I, like, would I fall into this? I probably would. I mean, we think it's, we think it's kind of weird, but I bet if you hung out with somebody long enough, right? If you hired somebody to be your friend or something, after you spent a couple of days with them, you'd probably like consider them your friend. Like, even well, I mean, though you were Herzog asks, <laughs> is asked in the interview, yeah. did a Q&A for the movie with a uh, movie. Oh, I love this. I know. And he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. asked the guy, one of the questions is like, what would you hire for someone for if this was, yeah. a, and Herzog says, you know, I'd love to speak Bavarian with somebody. Yeah. Um, and and, 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 and kick so a soccer ball around. Yeah. It's like, I so live it, in LA. I live in LA. Nobody speaks Bavarian. I, you know, I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to kick a soccer ball around and curse in Bavarian and somebody yeah. would be able to understand yeah. me. I love it. So, so it's he, again, it's, it's, it's this funny thing where it's like, um, perhaps Herzog is bought into more like again then that that was kind of my point about like the difference between perhaps North America like a North American version of this versus a Japanese version of this is that 
Um, perhaps Herzog has bought into more of the Japanese psycho, like the philosophy on it, which is that it doesn't really matter that it's not fundamentally true and that you can be aware of it and you don't have to convince yourself of the truth. You can, you can, um, it's, and it's not, you know, not to say that it is, you know, I'm not an, an endorsement of like the psychology of this or whatever, whether or not it's mentally healthy or whatnot. Um, but rather just that there's, there's a, a different, um, I just see a different societal takeaway. It's so which interesting. Is really I don't see a cultural for me. I don't see this through any prism of cultural difference in that regard. For me, I don't think that the characters in this film are reacting any differently than I think. I, I think it speaks to a much more fundamental for me personally, a much mm. more of a, a fundamental aspect of the human condition that is just the way we are. Uh, I don't think it speaks to any kind of like, is it a mental illness or is it this or that? Or is it a cultural thing? I really think that this is actually fundamentally how our realities are constructed and how we manage ourselves in the world that we deceive ourselves all the, I mean, it is so fundamental. Our lives oh, yeah, are so Oh yeah, fundamentally, imagined. absolutely. So I, I guess think, I don't, I just, know, I think like, I fundamentally, I agree. I think that the details would be different depending culture to culture. Um, I think the details of it, of like how people go about it and, you know, the specifics of like, uh, you know, I, I again, to, just to go back to this idea of like that the girl with the paparazzi, she's not, she's, she's, you know, she's convincing herself that she's famous now because she's got the paparazzi. She's hired these paparazzi, but she's not convincing herself that she didn't hire these paparazzi. She's not lying to herself and, you know, saying, See, that and these I, paparazzi I don't, showed I don't up. know if I get a sense of that or not in this film. I, I think that these people actually absolutely are convinced of these things in the moment and when they're happening. And, and here, let me give you an example of, of why I think this is the case. And, it's one of the sweetest scenes and one of my favorite scenes of the film. I really enjoy it. So as we're following Ishii and Mihiro kind of through their arc, one of the other kind of like client stories, if you will, I like to say it that way. One of the other client stories, we've, we've talked about the, the, the bride with her fake father. We talked about uh, the, the woman who hires the paparazzi. Another one was the woman who comes in to Ishii's office and she's explaining that she once won the lottery. Mm -hmm. And she had never before in her life ever felt like a winner. And this is like really bittersweet and, and quite sensitive. I really feel that Herzog is, is at some of his most sensitive here in this, in this yeah. scene, yeah. in this little story, this vignette. And, you know, she's, I think it was very well acted. I think the, this actress did a fantastic job, uh, but she's explaining how she'd never, ever felt like a winner before. And it, it was like the money meant nothing to her. It was not about money. And she had literally just been spending all of that, the winnings, trying to win again because it was the first time she ever felt winning, like a yeah. winner. And she was explaining that she had spent, you know, thousands of dollars and she hadn't been able to replicate that victory. And she realized that, you know, she would could likely play the lottery yeah, for a hundred years and she'd never win. Mm -hmm. And so what, of course, what she does is that she hires them to surprise her at some future point. And so that's what we cut to. And we see her, you know, she's in her home, knock at the door. And, but it's really cute how, how Herzog uh, stages this. I really love it. It's like this, one of the actors is playing like a, a utility worker and, you know, he, the utility, the fake, the not i mean it's an actor playing a utility worker 
who's like you know or who's or, pretending no, to yeah, an actor playing the lottery profession like the lottery pretending representative to be a utility pretending guy, to be yeah, a yeah. utility right it's kind of a double double layers of this but you know he and he has her like kind of you know sign this fake document and he's like oh your name is da 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 i can't remember but oh your name is what oh guess what you won the lottery one mm-hmm. like cheerleaders come out from behind the you know wall and yeah Ishii and comes it, out and got the like one of those big giant the, checks the yeah and it was that was such a like sweet, tender, like the look on her face and just this whole, I mean, it, that scene really, really stuck out to me. I, I think maybe impacted me more than any other scene in this film because her joy is totally real. And yes, there is a place in her mind where she understands that this is fake, but the joy that she is feeling is so real. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so it's I think that maybe what you're saying, I think both are kind of existing at the same time in each of these characters where, yes, yes, of course, they understand that this is a, a manufactured situation that they've paid for this actor. But it doesn't matter because there's well, this exactly. other part of their mind that completely and totally accepts it. And it's how we do everything in life. And, uh, but I, I, perhaps, where we, perhaps where we disagree with that, I don't think a scene like that, that lottery scene would work if this was set in the U.S., I don't think that that would that would yeah, work at all, and that's okay. Yeah, because I think totally I think that that's where I, I mean. Think it would. I think, I think it, that's that's what I mean when I say that's where the the it's it's the difference of this fundamental. It's like this obsession with truth in 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 like North American culture. Well, I don't know. So let me push me, you on that. I'm going to push you on that. I'm going to push you on that because we live in. A, I mean, I like not to get into politics, but I don't. I think we. I think I actually disagree with you to great extent. I think that there is an obsession with what is a fact but but in in kind of an opposite way that you're describing that that anything can be a fact and everything can be a fact and I can decide what that fact is and I can make that up for myself I think that we kind of live in a post factual culture here in this country and I think that more than ever before people are off on their own making up everything perhaps but I think the making up everything is a also convincing themselves that this is true I, that's right? exactly and so, what so this I think that, and I think about. that, that but I think that that's the difference. I think there's a there's a there's a fun, there's a fundamental difference in this type of truth that you're dealing with in, well, in I, Japanese I culture. I think that every the, person that deceives themselves that there, there, there's a duality in every mind. Oh yeah, I just I that, again I, I agree with you there. I just think that the duality is different. I think that there is a like again the reason I don't think that casino scene or the lottery scene would work in if this movie was set in the U.S. If there was like a an American remake, God forbid. Hmm. Um, is because I think that there is again I don't I, I don't see anybody ever do like I don't see the the priorities and that's kind of what I meant when I said that like visiting Japan was very interesting and very you know enlightening about the differences because the priorities are just different. What makes a, a person happy is is just different, and the things that people go out of their way to do to get happiness is different. Mm-hmm. So so like in a scene like that lottery bit, um. To me, the reason that that is so, so, so like very, very Japanese in a way um, is because, again, there it's it's very much about the result of winning the lottery exterior from the money, like she says, whereas we live in a society where a lot of things are simply about a monetary gain, but also the truth that comes with that monetary gain and stuff like that. So it wouldn't. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I go back to that, that that uh analogy of when i was when i was doing this stuff at tiff and it's like the people there 
they had convinced themselves and lied to them. Like they, they would go so as far to say that like these people aren't my friends. They are my fans. They are my groupies. They, even though they have like 500 followers on Instagram and they would talk like that and they would absolutely convince themselves a hundred percent of this truth and lie to themselves the entire way. Whereas you look at this scene where she's talking to the paparazzi, she's very aware. She's not hiding it. She's well, like, you yeah, know you that know, those people we... that that you're describing it, Tiff, and not that we need to beat this dead horse. No, but yeah, you know that they understand that it's not true. But 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 people can convince themselves of lies. But there's always but, but, they but I know, but they but but they can they can they'll know that it's true. They but don't. They they don't they believe it's that it's true. And they don't believe that it's that's that's the difference is that they won't they're refusing to believe and they will not I just, admit I disagree. Like that. I, that's okay. And we can disagree. I, yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. that they I think that they I think that they absolutely in their heart in the middle of the night when they're lying. Oh, of in course bed, they do. Of course they, they do. But they would never admit this. that. They would never admit no. that and they would not convince themselves of that. Whereas in the in in the scene in Japan, she's very openly admitting that it's fake. She's talking to them very much, you know, yeah. with the knowledge that she hired them. That Whereas is, here, it would be totally different. Yeah. That scene, that entire scene would play out completely differently. That scene would play out as someone who'd hired, it, that happened to them, surprise them on the street or something, right? It, the, it might, it might, but I think the fundamental, the fundamental, uh, the, the fundamental human condition that this speaks to, I think, is universal. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I'm not fine. disagreeing with that. I, I'm not disagreeing with the fundamentality of the, that, that the themes, what I'm, yeah, I'm just, it's more the, again, yeah. the, like I That's said, the okay. details yeah. of culture that kind of, that to me, um, really are what makes this movie really interesting to me. It's just that, again, that those, that it, like, I don't think that you could shoot this movie elsewhere. In, okay, in present day, I don't think, I think that this movie is a, is a fundamentally Japanese story. Okay. Um, I, because I, that's an interesting take. It, it, it certainly, the culture is important to the story. I, I don't know that I'm convinced that you couldn't tell this story somewhere else, but uh, I think you could tell a similar story. I think yeah, you could tell, okay. you know, you could take that fundamental um, truth of it and you could take that theme of lying to yourself and convincing yourself of like these lies and, you know, going so far as to hire somebody to, to play somebody else in your life, etc. Um, I just think that the the details and the cultural connotations, of course, of course, would be completely different because it's, it would be an entirely different culture. Um, but I think within that, I think the psychology of it is completely different too. And the outlook on it is different. Um, and that's why I think, again, that's, you know, that's, I, that's why I look at this movie and think like, this is a very fundamentally, um, you know, at its core, a lot of what it deals with is, is stuff that is like embedded in Japanese culture, which I think is really interesting. So um, I just curious to you. So, you know, uh, so again, just to kind of, I want to try a different angle with you. So I yeah, mean, sure. you know, yeah. it, when Herzog's talked about this film, he doesn't say I was interested in Japanese culture. I'm curious about a Japanese story. I think, you know, there's no mention at all of, of but he shot it there as a filmmaker, their, you know, but I think, you know, but what I did hear from him uh, is that he's he is endlessly interested in this idea of self-delusion performance versus reality mm -hmm. and how our, our relationships are constructed and maintained and just how ultimately like every aspect of our life and every memory you have is kind of this imagined narrative that really is no basis in any kind of objective truth. So, you know, um, I don't know, you know, so... I, I, I mean, think maybe I, I, yeah. I think maybe you're 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 right. There's clearly you know I definitely would would clearly this is a film that's made. I mean, it, obviously it's made in Japan, and clearly this is a phenomenon. This very specific thing of having a company that you can hire uh, family or friends um, 
out from is that's clearly something that did start in Japan. I think it was probably one of the first places, but but I think only in a very literal sense. I think if you extrapolate this idea even just a tiny bit, you see how these things occur everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not exactly dressed up like this, you know. But I think I mean that's and that that's also like I'd like to reiterate too that I, yeah, the, you, there's very much this theme of this movie is very much universal. Um, and it very much, you know, exceeds yeah. the bounds of just Japan. Um, but it does. Have I just a think, lot I, of, like, yeah. honestly, it's and it's not even a negative to me. It's it's more of a positive because I would be interested to see how different cultures would yeah. take this idea. That's all um, true. That's and so true. that's that's why I mentioned this idea of like, like I think again, I think that paparazzi scene would go differently if it was if it was it's a movie possible. set yeah. in, I, in it's possible North America or in Europe or in. I don't know if it know. would be like materially different, but but I'm sure that it would that the 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 specifics of it would probably look different. Um, mm-hmm. I just uh, yeah, I think that there would be a difference in, um, just the again, you know. Perhaps to, not to go on about this for too much longer, but I think that... <laughs> yeah, because I think but, we've gone on long yeah, enough. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I just, I, I, to me, think, like, again, that's a positive to me, to think that, like, okay, okay this, yeah. how how would this shape out differently sure. in different societies? And, you know, um, just generally so, how, you know, j- 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 yeah. Well, what are the other scenes? So let, let's try to move on, though, so we don't... Yeah. Uh, I think we, we, we kind of get in a, in a place where we're saying the same stuff over and over a little bit. So, like, let's move on to a couple of the scenes that we haven't talked about yet. One of the, another scene that I, I was actually... I really enjoyed and was kind of one of my favorites was the train station scene. So we know mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Herzog stole this scene, and he kind of tells a story about how he had to you know, run away from the, steal the shot and run away from the, the security or the employees there at the train station. Uh, mm-hmm. And apparently Japanese take very, very, very seriously their train stations and being on time and, and everything. Um, but it's just so interesting because we, we cut into the scene. Now, again, this is another one of those kind of like the side client stories, if, if you wish, that's off of the Mahiro Ishii story. Uh, where there's an employee. Well, it's actually we start off where Ishii is being just like railed on by yeah, berated, yeah. berated by the like supervisor. He's clearly like a train station supervisor, and he's like, you know what? How in the hell did you let this happen? You know, you you let you let the train leave twenty seconds early. That's a, you like that's the worst thing that you could have done. It just screws up everything. And it's like, even worse than going twenty seconds late. Yeah, it separated all these kids from their parents. Oh my gosh, what did I? And it's hysterical. And like Ishii, like it's down on his hands and knees and he's like you know very like and and finally the supervisor leaves and ishi gets back up and there's this other guy standing there and he's like oh thank you so much for taking the you know taking all of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. for me it's like oh my gosh i wouldn't have been able to have handled all of this like you know berating had you not been there for me and i was like this is so interesting it's like that's something and and so i mean your point is definitely valid there are cultural differences here and how you know uh how people interact with their supervisors and how people perceive their their job positions and their you know the responsibilities and as an employee i mean there are a lot of different cultural things here there's no question i mean mm-hmm. um but this was so interesting i would have never thought of this like how you can hire someone to take shame for you was such an interesting concept um so I just I don't know what, if you had any specific thoughts about that scene, but I just thought no, it was I like really that. Interesting. Yeah, I I actually it's interesting because I at first was again kind of 
thinking that it's a series of vignettes and, and some yeah. I liked more. But I actually, yeah, the more I thought about that scene, the more I liked it, the more I kind of appreciated its yeah. place in the bigger picture of the of the whole movie. Yeah, um, I mean, it is kind and, of a series of vignettes and I almost feel like, you know, it's just Herzog is kind of, you know, illist, like, you know, using this kind of motif, you know, uh, hiring people to... Uh, to kind of pretend that they have a relationship with you mm-hmm. and how different ways that could all play out so that we can and see. And the toll it takes on Ishii too. And right. So in that, that's a good point. So in the narrative, the whole kind of narrative through with Mihiro and Ishii. So eventually, and this is interesting, the, the mother and the daughter parallel each other in their experiences with Ishii, right? So you've got the daughter, Mihiro is starting to fall for him in some way. And I mean, and and we don't really know if it's like necessarily romantic or if it's just kind of a, you know, she wants him to actually be his father. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of vague and it might be a little mixture of both, you know, like a childhood crush kind of thing. Um, and, uh, but the mother also starts to fall for him. And that's very clearly, uh, at least, at least she tries to seduce him romantically but it's probably not that very different of a set of feelings that the daughter has. They're just wanting companionship and they've spent enough time now with Ishii that they like have genuine feelings for him and that he's, his presence removes some loneliness from their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, unclear whether or not um, a hero knows that he's, he's, Correct. you know, an actor. It's, it's unclear if she's the mother actually Miki at this point. does obviously, yeah. But, yeah, but she, but, but you're right. My hero is unsure as to, you know, it's unsure for the audience as to whether she actually thinks this man Correct. is her father yeah. or if she's looking at him as just a replacement and a father. And, figure. and, and I, and that's, and I think that, and the point is, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, I think yeah, yeah. the point is that, yeah. that that's the whole kind of blurring of this. And I just, I, I think Herzog, and I just, I have a lot of respect for Herzog as a writer because I think it's easy to kind of miss some of these really sweet and tender and subtle ways that he lays out this story. And I think there's some really good examples of how he does that here. Um, Cause you know, of course this is, it's as I understand it, there are a lot of improvisations here, but that Herzog scripted, you know, the significant points, right. That had to be hit in each interaction or each conversation, each dialogue um, segment. So, so I think the the interplay of Herzog kind of knowing where he wanted to take the story and and the actors I think actually really commendable I think they they really did a good job, um, but I love this kind of this this paralleling of uh, Mihiro. So it's I love this moment where you know what was it they go it was somewhere where she's making a wish right isn't it so I think they're looking out at the boats at the at the uh, on the water with like the floating candles and mm-hmm. they're just talking about making a wish and. We really get the sense, the way it's shot and the the tenderness of it, that she's wishing something about him being in her life. And there's this really wonderful moment where, and you'd mentioned the telephone on the beach, um, where Miki does the same thing, where Mm -hmm. she picks up the phone and she kind of has this private conversation. And um, and Ishii asks, you know, oh, did you did you call who did you call or something? Because mostly it's like a symbolic way to call the dead. Yeah. But she's yeah. like, no, I actually like tried to call someone who's living. And you really get a sense that she's that that Miki's doing the exact same thing uh, that Mahiro was. And he just really parallels this like an, and I think a nuanced, beautiful way mm-hmm. um, that I think a lot of filmmakers would have been a lot more explicit. They would have been a lot more on the nose and 
And I just I saw a lot of tenderness, uh, yeah, yeah, from Herzog as a filmmaker in this, and and again, like just and 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 with the woman, the lottery winner, I felt like that was really tenderly handled yeah. by Herzog. Um, so I I really enjoyed that story too, uh, and then of course we get to this kind of the the the, the climax of that. Uh, I don't mean to <laughs> no pun intended. No climax, but uh, where you know he eventually like tells the mother, hey, you know your daughter, this is going too far. She wants to start spending weekends with me. This is too far. Mm-hmm. And then she moves on then to try to seduce him. Well, you should move in with us. Our right, house here's is my so bed. nice. Here's, yeah. here's and, and then she's late, right? She's like sitting on the bed and she's got this like really beautiful dress on and she's like anything in here you can do whatever you want with. Yes. I mean, so very, very, very clearly trying to seduce him, you know, uh, even sexually. Um, and he refuses. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Um, yeah, it's like it's, and he says it's such a business. He's like, it's a, it's not my contract, basically. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. I mean, it's right. It would, but just so interesting, right? Where, and it is interesting. I mean, I'm sure you have experiences in your personal life. I do too. Where you know, especially like if you're you're working with someone, you have a professional relationship, and you know, professional versus personal. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, I mean, these these kind of you know, the human relationship kind of thing is just it's so many interesting. Uh, ways that we manage our relationships but i mm-hmm. i thought that was really wonderful and then again you know, I, it, I i would totally yeah like i would i would recommend checking it out for that alone it, yeah. like though those moments like that um and perhaps to to finish off so that people can jump ship if they don't want to hear about the really technical stuff yeah i do want to kind of like i made a list of kind of funny not not necessarily technical gags but just things that i thought were kind of um it stuck out to me like there's okay. moments again and th- these are things that really like um the movie i think succeeded in making me enjoy it past them okay um, but like moments like you can see there's there's a definitely some post warp stabilization which is basically right. just a, you know stabilizing footage uh from right. like a shaky camera in post-production because it was it's such um, a it's such a small camera yeah. and it was all handheld so and you Herzog's, get these like you know, micro shakes yeah. yeah exactly and so so but there's moments where in the warp like, you can see the frame of the the, the image. image coming into the shot and stuff like like the, yeah it being readjusted which is you know not a huge deal just kind of funny things that that i noticed and it, um, and, it, and it's it's rarely seen i yeah. i don't i don't actually know that i've ever seen the edge of the footage come into the frame like that but i definitely have seen signs of warp stabilization used in uh other, other yes. fa- you know yeah. pro- other in professionally huge shot movies too yeah. um 1917 the yeah. the the uh sam mendes movie the one shot world war world one, war movie one. That just came out yeah. last year um had like it i i didn't really love the look of that movie because it looked like the entire movie had a warp stabilizer over it it's kind of um, gets a liquidy look in areas yeah, kinda, weird, yeah. and like things will wobble out of, yeah yep um but no i i just and like there was things like with the um you know just the color grades and stuff that kind of stuck out to me but again yeah. the movie succeeded in, in keeping me in spite of these technical in spite limitations of things um, and 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 i think yeah uh and i could add to i mean there were there were a lot of areas that were blown out there was a lot you know yeah, really yeah. hot lights on actors faces and white shirts blown out and skies blown out and uh, a lot of technical things like that but but here's what i think is cool i mean i you know you shoot with what you've got yeah and you know i love the fact that herzog goes out there and I think, you know, first and foremost, the content is king. Like, what are you, what's the story? 
And what are you? And that and that's why you're here. The story that you're telling, the the parts of the human condition that you want to explore in your film. That's why you do this. Um, I mean, I also love. You know, I want to make a film as beautiful as I can make it, or or as appropriate to the story as I can mm-hmm. make it. I guess, but. But, you know, I think if anything, if you're out there and you're an aspiring filmmaker, you know, uh, this is an example of how you can tackle a really interesting subject with a very bare minimal uh, minim- uh, minimal uh, equipment and crew and cast. And do yeah, very likely like just Herzog, probably, you know, a few other yeah. PAs and right. uh, production people and and the actors. Like, I don't think there was any there were probably no boom mics there was certainly no boom mics there was no um you don't have grips you don't have yeah it's like yeah all this you know he didn't have a dp he didn't have so it's so in that sense i think that's like a really empowering an example that should be empowering to other filmmakers Mm -hmm. uh and so yes i mean there's some technical shortcomings for sure and it's not up to a level of fit and finish and polish that you would normally see in a you know even in herzog's own you know uh, backlog there. I mean, you, you, you know, you usually see a much more kind of finished product, but yeah. And I mean, it's, it's that de- like, I'll say off the bat in terms of like visuals, certainly not one of his more beautiful movies. There are, there are shots in here that I actually really liked. Yeah, um, there are. but, but for the most part, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's shot on a camcorder. You're not going to get yeah. the beautiful dynamic range or anything like that. You're, um, and, and again, also for the most part, the movie does embrace that. Like that is kind of within the, yeah. the realm of the subject matter is that it's not it's not supposed to be big and beautiful and 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 right you know it's not like a malik movie yeah um, i mean the, the subject matter is intimate the yeah. way it's shot is very intimate so i think it's appropriate but yeah i mean so overall you know and and we've talked about a lot of stuff here we debated a little bit about cultural differences yeah it was uh, fun. <laughs> and, and how this film does or does not maybe you know affected by them or represent them it's but and i think overall though you can see i mean it inspired us to have a lot of questions and uh so if you haven't seen it i think it's absolutely worth seeing uh, I don't think that it's in the top, you know, top, top tier of Herzog's uh, repertoire, but I think that it's certainly worth seeing. And I think the questions that it explores are absolutely vital mm-hmm. questions. And I think as we move forward into more and more technology, greater and greater uh, acceptance of social media um, and, you know, just being further and further removed from actual physical human interaction. And, and look at this last year, most people around the world have been more isolated than they've ever been. So I think we haven't mentioned that, but I think that makes this film extremely uh, pertinent and mm-hmm. timely. But, you know... And really as somebody just- said, I, I heard someone say in an interview once too, that it's like, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but even the even the Herzog movies that I don't fall in love with are a hundred times more interesting than yes than anyone else. <laughs> you know that, that he's got such a a lot that more a, interesting yeah. than a lot. Absolutely, there's so much subtext here. There's so much to read yeah. into and to to really like tear apart here and and pick apart in terms of like what does it mean? What is it saying? What is so it it's a movie that says something, and that's yeah. you know and it, has a point of view, and yeah. that's and that's what matters most. All right, well. Whew, that was a good one, man. Mm-hmm. Um, 
well, uh, that's exciting. Uh, I think we could probably wrap up now unless you have any final thoughts, but I think we pretty no, much yeah, hit was, on just about everything great. we wanted yeah. to hit on. Um, but, I, you know, actually, uh, we do have something. Like, we could take, like, a little bit of a left turn here if you want because you and I, were, you had shared something that you've been working on with me. If oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if I forgot again like to bring it. <laughs> yeah, if you feel like you've got time. I can just I quickly go I, over it, yeah. We can go over it because I think it is. It relates to this film uh, in the sense that you're talking about working digitally and uh, you know trying to emulate film and be you know give yourself a creative option when you do work digitally so you've done some really cool work why don't you just kind of like lay it out yeah for i us? mean I, basically three or four years ago um i kind of i wanted to figure out how working with the budget that i had to make things look larger than in terms of budget wise than they were um, and that wasn't the sole thing. Like, I really like the look of film. I think that it's mm-hmm. like a really beautiful medium to shoot on. Yeah. Um, and so I just started developing this this process that has taken me like three years to develop, which was just basically trying to replicate the look of film and what would someone traditionally look at film and think that looks like film. Yeah. Um, and I went through a whole bunch of different phases of it, of like trying to replicate specific stocks. And I basically landed on, okay, you know what? Screw the idea of replicating tradi- individual stocks. I'm just going to pull things from different stocks that I really like um and put them all into one process and so i just released that the other day um which is on my website posttromopictures.com yeah um, if you're interested in looking that in if you're if that's kind of up your alley um but yeah and it's basically a film emulation process um so that you can shoot digitally and make it look like you've shot on film um and again it's not like for me it's not just an now, aesthetic is this a plug in or um no so it's a lut the so what i re- okay. really released was a lut um, yep. But it works with, you know, there's a whole bunch of different emulation plugins like Dehancer, like Film Convert, um, that that it, I've designed it to work with. Perfect. Um, but you can also work it on your own. It's free. So, oh, you know, that's you fantastic. Have to pay well, I've seen it and I think it, it's, it looks really interesting. I mean, I've, I'm like super intrigued. I can't wait until I get a chance to play with it myself. But uh, I really think that you've done some great work there. And uh, it's, yeah, it's thanks, just another, another, like, you know another tool in the toolbox of mm-hmm. you know expression and uh the fact that it's free i'm like it's amazing yeah, man yeah go take so, it <laughs> yeah so thanks for doing all that work all right no well uh i think we'll wrap up then but uh as always man i've totally enjoyed our conversation yeah i love it i love it when we kind of have like slightly different perspectives or views and we can kind of like Keeps go it at it a little bit and like hash <laughs> it out it's fun well it's because yeah. you know it's like i i you know um I wasn't thinking of it as much from a cultural like differences place, but I don't totally hear what you're saying. You've been to Japan and, and, uh, and you're right now. I I think about it. There definitely does speak to a lot of interesting, unique aspects of Japanese culture. Um, maybe I kind of tend to like universalize things in my own mind, but I totally see what you're saying. So it's a bunch of fun ways to different, to look at things, different ways to look at things. So that's good Mm -hmm. stuff, man. All right. Totally. All right. Well, We'll wrap it up. Until next time, everyone, thank you so much for hanging in there for this like extra long episode. Yeah, this is an we extra long hope, episode. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, take care, everybody.
Bye, everyone.